Good morning. Today's scripture reading comes from 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. You can pull out your Bible apps uh, or a pew Bible, and it's on page 959 in the pew Bible. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 12 through 27. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, though many, are one body, so it is with Christ. For in one spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. For the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, that would make it any less a part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would be the sense of hearing? If the whole body were an ear, where would be the sense of smell? But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. If all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, yet one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor again the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And on those parts of the body that we think less honorable, we bestow great, greater honor. And our unrepresentable parts are treated with greater modesty, which our more presentable parts do not require. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it, that there be, be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. Now you who are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is God's word. Good morning, church. As we get started, as we talk about the body... These beautiful flowers here were placed by Scott Perry in honor of his wife, Tina, in their 23rd wedding anniversary. Congratulations to Scott and Tina. Last week, we kicked off a series called Essential, where we are looking at various essential marks of a Christian and of the church as it relates to our call to make disciples. So last week, the essential mindset, if we're going to go out and make disciples. Today, the essential members, and then we're going to look at the essential message and the essential mission. All of this is meant to help prepare us to, get, to, get, to go out together for Grace Gives, as you saw in the video, uh, and share the gospel, to serve in light of the gospel, to speak the gospel, and to use our hands and feet to share the love of Christ in light of the gospel so that we can saturate this community with the good news 
of Jesus Christ. I hope you are getting a sense, if you're newer to the, to the church, I hope you're getting a sense that grace gives us a big deal. Uh, not because it's an event, right? Because you could kind of think, okay, I, I get it. They want us to join and do this event and then be done. No, it's not something to check off. It's not just an event. And we've said this ever since we launched Grace Gives 11, 12 years ago. Grace Gives is not meant to be an event. It's meant to be a movement, a lifestyle. And when you get involved in Grace Gives, it's meant to kind of uh, stoke the flames of your heart to realize like, oh, these are the kinds of things that I can do to love my neighbors every day, not just this week. So please, let's think through how this essential member, how do we live as essential members and have the right mindset so that we can share the good news of Jesus Christ. Today, every member essential. We're looking at 1 Corinthians 12, which is right in the middle of Paul's discussion on spiritual gifts and how the church at Corinth was misusing and misunderstanding those spiritual gifts. And so he's trying to help them understand the nature of how, of how differing gifts work together harmoniously in the church and, that, and, to, and to give us an, an, a vision of this, he gives us this compelling metaphor of the church being like a body, a body. Now, I majored in neurophysiology at the University of Maryland uh, in the pursuit of being a medical doctor. So, needless to say, when I read a metaphor like this, I get super excited. I, I'll try to contain myself. But I, I am convinced the human body is the most stunning, organic creation of God. Maybe if I was a turtle, I would think I was the most amazing thing in creation. I don't know, but they're not self-aware. So I, I am convinced the human body, which has 206 bones, did you know more than half of your bones are found in your hand and wrist and your feet and ankles? Every second, your body produces 25 million new cells. That means in the 15 seconds it took me to say that, your body produced more cells than there are people in America. There are between 60,000 and 100,000 miles of blood vessels in your body. If you laid those vessels end to end, they would be enough to travel around the world more than three times. I know there's not a lot of ooing and aahing, but I hope that's internal. I hope you're like, what? I hope you're like, ah! Pound for pound, your bone is stronger than steel. Did you know that? We are literally, oh, thank you, Pastor Andrew. We are literally stronger than Superman. And as incredible as all this is, as incredible as this body, this human body is that you are walking around in, 60% of your body is made of simple water. The human body is incredibly complex and yet beautifully unified. Every organ, every system, from the largest bone in your body to the smallest synapse in your brain, everything is essential for the body to function properly and optimally. Your body cannot be subdivided into several bodies. We're not earthworms. You rip them apart and they can exist. No. 
If a part of your body is cut off, it ceases to function and dies, and the rest of the body loses its function and effectiveness because of that loss. Here's the thing. The human body is immeasurably more than the sum of its parts. In other words, working together, the body is able to do things that each part individually cannot do. Amazing, right? But the Apostle Paul is not a physician, he's a theologian. So what's his main point in all this discussion? Look at verse 12. For just as the body is one and has many members, and all the members of the body, although many, are one body, here's his point, so it is with Christ. That's the point. That's the connection. Do you know who makes up the body of Christ? We do. Christians do. The body of Christ is made up of many parts or many people, but there is one body of Christ. And if you are a Christian, you are a part of the body of Christ. You are eternally and uniquely connected to Jesus and to his bride, his body. And you understanding and embracing this, this reality is essential excuse me, essential to the mission of Christ. Here's, let me show you why. Lesson number one. Embrace the beautiful God-ordained design of the body of Christ, and that is this, unity in diversity. Paul wants us to embrace this beautiful idea, this God-ordained design in the body of Christ which mirrors the human body, that there is unity in diversity. Verse 12, Paul is teaching that the church does not function like a collection of individuals. The church does not function like a democracy. No, we are more vitally connected than anything like that. The church functions as a body. He says, just as a body has many members, verse 12, which are all different in their design, their look, their function, those differences do not change the fact that there is a fundamental unity in the body. So it is with Christ, he says. So it is with us. How do we know? Verse 13, for in one spirit, we were all baptized into one body. Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and all were made to drink of one spirit. When someone repents of their sin and trusts in Christ alone for salvation, receives his forgiveness, receives his eternal life, that person immediately receives the Holy Spirit. No matter how young or old you may be, no matter your background, the beginning of the Christian life is marked by the reception of the Spirit of God living in and through you. Having the Spirit makes you a child of God. Having the Spirit sets you free from the, the, the condemnation of sin and even from the very power of sin. You can now resist sin, reject sin. Having the Spirit declares, uh, approves that you are declared righteous in Christ. 
Let me just say this. There is not a second blessing of the Spirit. You don't get saved and then you need a second baptism of the Spirit as some, some Christians might teach. You, you, and I don't have time to this, this morning because it's not right in our passage, but it is clear even from 1 Corinthians alone that when you receive the Spirit of God, when you get saved, you, you have the baptism of the Spirit. You have the seal of the Spirit. He says it right, he, right here. For in one Spirit we were all baptized into one body. They were plunged into the body of Christ, not when, they got, not when they got the second spirit or the second blessing. No, when they got saved, they were baptized by the Spirit into one body. Jews and Greeks, slaves and free. He's basically saying, you guys were so radically different in your background. Now you are united in Christ. It's not that once you are a Christian, you lose those cultural or social distinctions. I'm not saying that. No, I'm still my own heritage. I I am an Egyptian American and that's my cultural heritage. But he is saying this, that those distinctions are no longer what define us. Those distinctions, cultural, social, economic, those distinctions are less significant than our new shared identity of being in the body of Christ. In other words, I am a Christian before, first, before I am an American, before I am a father, before I am a husband, before I am a pastor. Our shared identity of being in Christ is, is what is most significant about us. If you don't get that point, it will lead, his point is that's where divisions come in. He'll say it later. That's why you're so divided. You don't get this most important point that in Christ there is a unity that transcends all human distinctions. Do you believe that this morning? Can you see how important this is for living in in a culture like we live in right now? Where what, what divides us is what is most important about us, isn't it? On social media, you are defined by what side you are on. And then if that's all you get, and if you listen to Fox News or CNN or whatever your favorite channel is, you listen to them and you listen to talk radio and you're on social media and you're at work and then you come into here, it's going to be really hard to realize those things are so menial when it comes to the massive unity we have in Christ. And we'll, and, we'll, and we'll lose sight of the fact that we come in here having so much more in common than we could ever have differing. Our unity in Christ, in the Spirit, is so deep and pervasive that it literally, and I say, I'm, I'm choosing my word, it literally overcomes racial and social divisions. That, notice that's what he's saying. Jews or Greeks, that's racial. Slaves are free, that's social. That was the problem in Paul's day. Those were the biggest sources of division. Has anything changed? The Spirit of God has a way of tearing down the barriers and joining us together in such a a beautiful supernatural way that the diversity in ethnicity and social status need not be a source of conflict, but a source of joy. I love that our church is growing in diversity. Ethnic diversity, social diversity, economic diversity. 
This has been a part of my vision for grace for years. All the pastors and elders, we talk and pray about this. I've been saying this for years, that we are a multicultural and multi-generational church. We have been and we will continue to be. We will not be a church of only 20-somethings or 70-somethings or only a church that does this kind of thing or that kind of thing. We're not going to minimize. We're not going to slice off a group of the population and say, this is our target group. You know what our target group is? People who live around us. If you live around Grace Baptist Church, if you can get here, this is our community. This is who we want to reach. Why? Why? Is it, do we want to be multicultural, multigenerational because it's fun, because it's cool, because that's what's going to draw a crowd? No, listen to me carefully. We do it because in doing so, we will reflect the unity of Christ more powerfully and reach this community for Christ more effectively. In doing so, we will reflect the unity of Christ more powerfully and reach this community for Christ more effectively. Just as the unity in diversity in our physical bodies is so beautiful, Paul is saying, so it is with the body of Christ. But it's not just beautiful, it's God-ordained. It's God-ordained. It's not by accident that God places people with different backgrounds, different gifts, different passions, and puts them together in one body, in one group. Look at verse 18 and, and verse 24. Verse 18. But as it is, God arranged the members in the body, each one of them, as he chose. Verse 24. But God has so composed the body, giving greater honor to the part that lacked it. God has so composed the body. Do you believe that? Do you believe that it's not an accident that you are here, that we are here together, that God is the one who ordains the body to be made up of people that are radically different, radically unique, and yet we are united so that the diversity of, God, of the body is actually God's sovereign plan and he is brilliant in his planning. Because just like the body, human body, the body of Christ is immeasurably more than the sum of its parts. God can do more through our unity and diversity than he could do, just do either with just unity or even just diversity. Embrace this beautiful God-ordained design of the body, even though it brings tension, even though it brings struggle, even though it presents challenges, embrace it because it's what God has designed for the body to shine forth his unity in diversity. Lesson number two. You are a vital member with a vital role in the body of Christ. That's his point in verses 14 to 20. Here, Paul is, is focusing on the diversity within the body. He says, yes, the body is a single unit, but it is made up of many parts. And he gives us this humorous illustration. It's meant to make us chuckle. He says, look, if, you're, if your foot decides one day, you know what? I am so tired of walking this guy around every single day. I have to bear all of his weight and I'm constantly under pressure and you stuff me in tight socks and then you put me into shoes and make me stink all day. You don't see them doing that to the hand, do you? No. What does the hand get? The hand gets off easy. They don't have to be covered up. They put nice lotions on them. They smell good. They put jewelry all over the hands. That's it. I'm clear not, clearly not as important as the hand. I'm done. I'm out of here. 
That's what the foot is saying. That's what Paul is drawing out. The idea here is not that one body part would rather be something else. It's that one body part feels unimportant compared to another. Have you ever felt unimportant or useless in the body of Christ? This is hard. It may get personal. Maybe you're thinking, yes, I know I'm a Christian, but I, I don't feel like I have anything to offer. I'm not, I'm not gifted in music. I can't be up front. I'm not gifted in speaking. I, I, I must not be useful. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm like, I don't know, the gallbladder, where nobody cares about it unless there's a problem, and then they just take it out. Paul's point here is that each part of the body is essential. He says, if, if the foot says that to the hand, would it then cease to be a part of the body? No. Because it doesn't see its essentiality doesn't mean it's not essential. Can I just say this to each and every one of you? You are not useless. You are essential. Not because I say so, but because God says so. Every person and every gift represented in the body of Christ here at Grace Baptist Church is essential. You are indispensable to the work of the kingdom of God right here. It doesn't matter your gifting. It doesn't matter your personality. It doesn't matter your social status. It doesn't matter how much you make. It doesn't matter your age. It doesn't matter your level of education. It doesn't matter where you live. You are indispensable to the work that God has called us to. And if you're a Christian and you think, I just don't have anything to offer, uh, I, I, listen, for one, it's not true. It's not true you don't have anything to offer. That would be like God creating something in our body that's meaningless. Second, nothing excuses you and I from being a meaningful member in this body. Even your attitude of thinking that you're not essential or that you're unimportant, that attitude doesn't absolve you from the sheer fact that that foot telling my hand, I'm done being the foot. I'm done being a part of the body. Okay, well, good luck with that foot. What are you going to do? Nothing can stop the foot from being a part of this body. It's a part of my body. Right? Even its attitude doesn't change the reality that it is inexplicably linked to me. It has a purpose. It is human nature to compare ourselves to each other. And here Paul is begging us, he's calling us, abandon the sense of comparison. Why? Because it only leads to jealousy on the one hand or discouragement on the other. Comparison undermines the necessity of each person here and it leads to an, an inferiority complex or a superiority complex. Look at me. I do such and such a role. Oh, I don't have anything to offer. Both of those are, are, are wrong. That's why we need to remember the gospel. We died with Christ. Right? What, what do we say? What do we picture in baptism? These individuals went into the water. Why would they go down in the water? Because being in water represents death. Because if you stay down, you wouldn't live. 
You went down into the water, represent we died to the, our old self, and then they rise back out of the water, representing new life in Christ. Jesus came out of the grave alive. They come up out of the water. Why? That represents the fact that we are now united to Christ, most of all. We have his resurrection life in us. The gospel gives us the strength to resist comparison and now find our contentment in our new identity in Christ. Are we still going to struggle with this? Probably. That's why Paul is writing this to Christians, to a church. He wants to remind them that every person in this body is necessary and significant. There is no inferior and no, un- and no unnecessary part in the body of Christ. Again, verse 18, diversity in the body is the will of God. He arranges the members just as he desires. You are not here by accident. Your skills are not by accident. Your successes, and as we sang about, even your failures are not an accident. Nothing about you is a mistake. Think about this. There's a role for you to play in this church that you and you alone are best suited by God to fulfill. For example, we have men and women who have had experience in the past with things like divorce, abuse, cancer, grief, addictions, mood disorders. And you would think, oh, what can they do? What do they? But by the grace of God, these men and women have found a level of healing and hope even in the midst of their very painful trials. And now, how is God using them? God has sovereignly and graciously placed them here to lead our support groups to help others find the same kind of healing and hope that they have found. And I could bring them up, every one of those leaders, and I could read testimonies because I get them. Hundreds, literally hundreds of testimonies that say, the Divorce Care of Grace Baptist Church saved my life from destruction. That, that this group, this grief share, that this abuse support group helped, helped me from going down this path of self-destruction. The same goes for every person here. But if all you do is show up, All you do is show up at service. All you do is tune in online. The reality is you cannot fulfill your role. The body needs you to be all in. Take God at his word. Let him build up his body. Get involved into a ministry. Get involved in a Sunday morning class. Get involved in Grace Gives. There is no excuse that Grace Gives. We, we have so many ministry tracks, there's literally no excuse. It's by design because we want to harness all the gifts, all the abilities, and, and saturate this community with the gospel through sharing and serving. Whether you're in our prayer group and you're pleading on behalf of everyone else out there or you're sweating outside working in someone's yard, all of them are working together for the single purpose of making Christ known. I just need to say this. We have everything we need as a church right now to accomplish his mission. I want you to believe that. We have all the human resources we need, all the financial resources we need, all the spiritual resources we need. If every person would see themselves as essential, we would powerfully reach this community with the gospel of Jesus Christ. You're a vital member with a vital role in the body of Christ. And lesson number three, you must live interdependent on other members in the body of Christ. This is from verses 21 to 27. 
The idea here is that we need each other. Just like the eye needs the hand and the head needs the foot. If the summary of verses 14 to 20 was, you're not useless, you're essential. The summary of verse 21 to 26 is, you're not self-sufficient. You need others. Every organ in the human body and every part is designed to work together to make the body function properly. And so it is with the body of Christ. The parts are interdependent, meaning we depend on one another. By the way, I believe Paul's metaphor of the body strongly implies the idea of church membership. The New Testament has no category for a Christian who is not joined to a local body of believers in a church. This does not mean that it's impossible to be a Christian and not connected to a local church, but it does mean that to be a Christian and not join to a church is incredibly unhealthy and dangerous. If you're not a member of a local church, I strongly urge you to seek one out. Go through the process of becoming a member. Here at Grace, I just mentioned earlier, we have a membership class. Begin that process. As one pastor said, it is unnatural to be connected to a local church, but not joined to a local church. We need each other. That's his point in these verses. We need each other. In the church, sometimes we think that that only the stronger parts are indispensable. That's why Paul brings up the idea that even the weaker ones are indispensable. Not just the ones who can lead up front. Not just the ones who have the more um, overt gifts. He's actually warning those with the more public gifts to guard against looking down on those with less public gifts. Because if we're not careful, some of us can fall into the trap of looking down on those who are not as, quote-unquote, gifted as us. And that's simply not true. How effective would the preaching of God's Word be if the building was not running properly or if the bathrooms were not cleaned? How effective would the musicians be up front if there was not a production team working behind the scenes to make sure there are microphones and there are words on the screen that the lights are on? Right? Pastor Andrew can be singing all day, but if you can't hear him and there's no lights here, what good would that do? It might do a little good. It sounds good, but... (laughs) No part is more valuable than another. And no part is dispensable. And no part is self-sufficient. No one is an island. Paul makes the point in verse 23 that the parts of our body that are unpresentable are treated with special modesty. He's actually talking about the parts of our body that we cover up. There are parts that we take special care to cover up. And rather than this showing that those are, that those are weaker parts or that those have some kind of shame to them, no, why do we cover those parts of our body? Because they, we actually show that they are highly valued. We are honoring those parts of our body. So while they're hidden, they're incredibly necessary and appreciated. And that's why Paul, is, his point here is, you may never know who, who's cleaning the bathrooms. You may never know who's visiting our shut-ins. You may never know who's ordering Sunday school supplies. You may never know, but you better believe those are highly valued members and they are essential. And you need them. We need them and we need each other. 
We need the voluntary nursery worker right now who's holding a baby or changing a diaper so that their parents can be here this morning to hear God's word and be with God's people. Why should we honor each part of the body as essential? Why should we live as dependent and interdependent on each other? Why should we value each other for our different roles? Look at verse 25. That there may be no division in the body, but that the members may have the same care for one another. Do you see his point? That when we accept and appreciate the diversity within the body as a gift from the Lord, there will be no more divisions. The moment we begin to think that certain parts are better than others or that certain parts are less necessary or unnecessary or that I think I am self-sufficient, I don't need any other part, I'm the I and I can do everything I need to do as a body, as soon as that happens, as soon as any of that thinking gets into place, he's saying that is what will drive a wedge between you. When this happens, he tells us in this verse, we become more concerned about self-care than we do about mutual care. Do you see? That the members may have the same care for one another. Do you realize that when you start to have those mindsets, I'm most important, they're not important, they're not as important, that's self-care. You're looking out for number one. That's division right there starting. If we think, if one of us thinks, if any of us thinks, including me, that we are more important to this church because of whatever gift we have, however long we've been here, however much money we give, whatever position we hold, then right now we're in danger of causing divisions in the body. And in so doing, we're not just sinning against the body, we're sinning against Christ himself. And I would simply say, repent and believe what God's word says and ask God to create in you a genuine love for the other members of the body. Now, here's what I want to say, because I can say this joyfully, that I generally, we don't see that as, our, as your pastors, we don't see that uh, as being on display, and I want to commend you for that. Instead, what we see on display regularly is verse 26, that if one member suffers, all suffer together. If one member is honored, all rejoice together. This is what we see happen day in and day out at Grace Baptist Church. We see families who've lost loved ones and the church, you don't even have to tell them what to do. The church, it's like the body knows how to be the body. <laughs> Go figure, right? And, they, and they get, the church gathers around that person and shows that person love and support and care. What do you need for the service? What do you need for meals? What do you need for your family? How can we just sit with you and grieve with you? We do it instinctively. We, I see young moms who are struggling with new babies and other moms just jumping in and, and just helping and caring for them and meals taken to people when they're going through a difficult season, on and on and on. Why? Because when one part suffers, Paul tells us, every part suffers. Do you see how interdependent we are? His problems, his trials, his burdens are not just his trials and burdens and problems. They're mine. And if I don't feel them, that's not his problem, that's mine. 
If I am not so intimately involved with other people that I can feel their burdens, that I can feel their pains, that I can step into it. Look, when, when you stub your toe, as I know you have, does the rest of your body say, wow, that's tough toe. I know you're in a lot of pain. Hang in there. Hope you feel better soon. We'll be here waiting for you. No, the whole, your whole body, you're like, ah, <laughs> right? Your whole body suffers when this little dinky little toe gets hurt. So it is with the body of Christ. When one part suffers, we all share in that suffering. We, all, we are meant to feel it. That's why we'll pray for things publicly. That's why we have a prayer meeting for people. It's not like, oh, look what so-and-so is going through. And no, it's really, read that and you begin to feel, wow, a cancer diagnosis. Wow, another surgery. And, and, and plead for the Lord and come alongside that person, that family, and we do that for each other and it just happens within the body. I love when I hear that something that people are caring for a member that I didn't even know they were doing it because they don't need to tell me. They're just being the body. But similarly, when one part is honored, we all rejoice. It's, it should be normal that if someone gets a, a raise or a promotion, we get excited about that. Right? That's a good thing. When someone shares an anniversary, it's okay for us to say it publicly and say, praise God, 23 years of marriage. In in this culture, in this world, yeah, let's celebrate every day. Let's celebrate every year. That's like a mark in the ground. Like we've made it and we're going to continue to press on. That's no small thing. That's no like, oh, that's that's a big deal. We celebrate with each other. When kids graduate from high school or college, we put their names on the, on, up on the screen and say, yes, great job. We know how hard it's been. We want to enter into the joys of each other. Pastor Stephen Um says this, rather than being a sign of weakness, interdependency is God's design for the church because the church is a micro, uh, microcosmic picture of a restored humanity Rather than embracing the hierarchy and celebrity culture in the world surrounding the church, it is called to be a countercultural community. Specifically by being interdependent. It's not a sign of weakness. It's a compelling, it's a compelling witness that we are willing to lean on each other as we look to Jesus our head. We depend on each other. We need each other. And yes, that is countercultural. Yes, it's going to make us stand out. How do we do this? Where do we get the motivation and the power to live this way? As diverse members of a unified body, working together to fulfill our mission of making disciples of all nations. And the answer of how we get this, how do we do this, how we move in this direction, is that every member, all the members, must look to and trust Christ as our head. What do I mean? Well, the New Testament repeatedly speaks of Christ being the head of the church, right? If we are the body, Christ is the head. We are the members, but he is the head. He is the leader. He is guiding this whole thing. Well, what does Christ do as our head? 
He comes down to us, right? As the, hey, Jesus comes down as, as the God-man and he looked around and determined that every human is full of sin, is trying to live their own way. They're thinking, I can be the finger by myself. I can be the foot by myself. And we know that only leads to death. That mindset, that mentality only leads to death. Every human lives as if we are self-sufficient. And God could have come down and looked around and said, what a bunch of losers. I'm going to start over. But he didn't. He said, you've rejected me, but I've not rejected you. And so he comes and he takes our place. He experiences all the destruction and all the loneliness of living disconnected from his own body. In sheer grace, he sees every human being as indispensable and essential. And how does he do it? He becomes dispensable for us. You see, when he goes to the cross, he takes all of our destruction, all of our loneliness, all of the shame, all of the guilt of our sin, and he experiences it because of our rebellion. It's literally our mindset that I want to be, I want to be apart from the body. I can live my life. Jesus literally is cut off, not for his own sin, but because of our sin. He becomes the most dishonored part. He becomes the part that everyone looks to and is ashamed of because he dies on a shameful cross. Why did he do it? Because he loves his body. He loves his body too much to lose his body. He loves you individually. He doesn't see you as a throwaway. He sees you as essential. And through his dishonor, he brings you honor. Through his being cut off, you are grafted into the body. Through his rejection, you are welcomed into the family of God. And through faith in Jesus Christ, your sins are forgiven, you're declared righteous, and his love as the head transforms your reality now as a member of his body. Now you can begin to see and believe that you are vital and essential, not useless, now you can begin to see that you can depend on others, that you're not self-sufficient. You can lean on others. You can let them into your life as they let you into theirs. But you can also humbly serve in unity for the sake of the mission. You see, do you know your role here in the body? And are you fulfilling that role? Church, we need to keep looking to Jesus as our head. He is our unity. He is our foundation. He holds us together. And when we understand that, when we are embracing that, when we live in that reality, we will use our diverse gifts together, together. We will use our diverse gifts to reach this community with the gospel. And it will be a compelling witness to the beauty and the glory of Jesus Christ. Let's pray. Jesus, we look to you this morning as our head and we can trust you because of what you have done for us. We can obey you because of your spirit now living in us. Lord, I pray for each person who's wrestling with their role here their role in the body. Maybe some have felt useless. Maybe some have felt shunned. God, this grieves my heart. I so desire 
for your body, each member, living out its God-ordained purpose and function. No matter how visible or invisible, may we all see ourselves as vital, essential. God, would you prepare us to work together Would you motivate hearts? Some are still sitting on the sidelines, whether it's serving in a ministry or serving for Grace Gives. There's maybe excuses and and scheduling challenges and taking off of work and what do we do with kids? God, I pray that your mission, your calling to go and make disciples, that that would be so elevated in our minds and in our lives that everything else would, would, would would take its proper place. Not a lesser place, but simply its proper place. That your glory would be more important than our own glory. That it would be worth the sacrifices, worth the struggles, worth the time, worth whatever we have to give up because we know that together this body can do immeasurably more than it could ever do apart. Help us, Lord. Do in us what you could only do as we look to you and trust you. We pray in Jesus' name.